My name's Greg Knapp. This is the Greg Knapp Experience, your 20-minute thrill ride for your commute or your workout. Former Secretary of Defense says he did not authorize General Milley's calls to China. Here come the excuses for General Milley's violation of his oath and plotting possible treason. Big Tech is banning pro-life ads and a song that makes Joe Biden look bad. Oh, New COVID vaccine requirements for some of our immigrants, but not others. And wait till you hear what the differentiation is. And one restaurant is finding a way to greatly decrease its employees. Could it be coming to a restaurant near you? All of that, and it's finally happened. We have a college instructor apologizing for being white and cisgender. Oof. It's all coming up on this episode of the Greg Knapp Experience. Let's go. All right, so let's jump in with what's going on with General Milley. If you've been following along playing the Greg Knapp Experience home version, you know that what happened was General Milley was afraid. He was worried. He's like, oh, Donald Trump is going crazy after, after the election in January 6th, and, and he may launch a nuclear war, So and maybe with China. And so he had to have these super secret, maybe even double secret probation phone calls to China where he was letting them know nothing's going to happen, everything's fine. And by the way, if we ever thought we were going to attack you, I would call you first. Uh, wait a second, if we were going to attack them, wouldn't they then be the enemy? Well, yeah, sure, but... And then if you're aiding and comforting the enemy, wouldn't that be then treason? Well, I mean, treason is a big word. Come on, he was trying to keep everything calm. That's all he was doing. And, and you know, what about what he did with the nuclear code people? Well, Nancy Pelosi called him and said she was worried about the nuclear codes and the football and she should be taken away from Trump because he's a crazy man with a fat butt. Well... Sure, he went and talked to the people that were in charge of the nuclear process and said, hey, listen, if you ever get these orders, you know, you do the process and everything, but you check with me, right? And he looked around the room and he got an oath from everybody. I mean, that was just normal procedure. We were just going over the protocol. These are the excuses that are coming up now, okay? So these are the big issues that came out of that book by Woodward. Who knows if it's true because most of his books aren't. But Millie is not denying he did those things. He's simply saying that they were common, normal, normal procedures. Really, going around the president, the commander-in-chief of the military, and violating your chain of command, violating your oath to the Constitution, that's just normal procedures. Oh, come on, you're misconstruing what this is. So, former acting Secretary of Defense Christopher Miller, according to Brooks Ingman, Fox News, he led the Pentagon from the period... After the election, 2020, through Inauguration Day, said he, quote, did not and would not ever authorize Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, to have secret calls with his Chinese counterpart and described the allegations as a disgraceful and unprecedented act of insubordination, called on him to resign immediately, quote, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff is the highest ranking military officer whose sole role is providing military-specific advice to the president and, by law, is prohibited from exercising executive authority to command forces. The chain of command runs from the president to the SECDEF, not through the chairman. Similar went on. He referenced those allegations we were just talking about with the secret phone calls, the General Lee in China. And he said, no, 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 the, we didn't authorize that. Fox News spoke with multiple individuals who were in the room during the two phone calls Millie had with Lee. In October, coordinated by then-Defense Secretary Mark Esper's office, they said they were not secret. They took place over a video conference. 
And Fox News learned there were 15 people present for the calls. Well, see, some sources say there were, some sources say there weren't. There were multiple note takers. The calls were conducted with full knowledge of then Defense Secretary Mark Esper and then Acting Defense Secretary Chris Miller, although Miller denied that. Okay, so wait a second. Here's the thing. There were two phone calls. Axios reporting. There were two phone calls that are in question. One happened October 30th, and that's when Esper was there as the Secretary of Defense. And that's where China was looking at its own intelligence and thought that we might attack. And that's when we said, no, man, we're not planning to attack you to calm things down. That's a different call than the one on January the 8th, two days after the January 6th situation at the Capitol. And that one, Esper wasn't there anymore. So who was looped in? Because according to Miller, he was not acting Secretary of Defense at the time. President Trump most assuredly was not. And that's the one, we're told by the book, where General Milley basically told them in advance, I will commit treason and tell an enemy when there's going to be attack if there ever will be one against you. Now remember, this was all based on General Milley's fears of what Donald Trump might do one day. Donald Trump never ordered a nuclear strike. Donald Trump never ordered any kind of an attack on China. Donald Trump never ordered anything even remotely to what General Milley said he feared was going to happen. Donald Trump did not try and stay in the White House when he was supposed to leave. Now, the worst you can say about Trump is that he said that there was, uh, that the election was stolen. Stop the steal. Okay. You can say you could have done more to stop the people on January 6th. Okay. But to say that General Milley had to stop him, the only way was to do this? Look, he could have gone to the other people who were the civilian leaders around Trump and told them his concerns. He could have even gone to Congress and told them his concerns. He could have resigned and told the world his concerns. But what he did was a crime. It was a crime. Uh, more back to the Fox article. If the reporting movement broke Excuse me. If the reporting in Woodward's book is accurate, it represents a disgraceful and unprecedented act of insubordination by the nation's top military officer. That's former Sec. Def Miller. And he added, if the story of Milley's histrionic outbursts and unsanctioned anti-constitutional involvement in foreign policy prove true, he must resign immediately or be fired by the Secretary of Defense to guarantee the sanctity of the officer corps. Exactly. If you start setting a precedent that... Hey, you know, if you just think that the president's freaking out, you can ignore his orders. You on your own get to decide to go around our entire system of government because, you know, you're an expert, you're an elite, you're a general, you're a whatever, fill in the blank. So the pursuit of partisan politics and individual self-interest are a violation of an officer's sacred duty and have no place in the United States military. A lesser ranking officer accused of such behavior would immediately be relieved of duty pending a thorough and independent investigation. And any accusations that President Trump was intent on starting a war with China are completely unfounded. President Trump absolutely believed and advocated for a more aggressive approach to China, but he was elected to end our nation's wars, not start new ones. I was proud to play a small role in achieving those goals. Yeah, Trump's the last president, and who knows how long they didn't start a war. Congress put in the statute, according to... Chief of Staff of the Department of Defense, Cash Patel, former under Trump, he said the law governing the Joint Chiefs of Staff specifically forbids the chairman 
from exercising any operational command authority. Yeah, Congress put that in so that the U.S. military would be led by a civilian, the commander-in-chief, right? Furthermore, by law, the national command authority goes from the president to the SECDEF to include anything relating to troop deployments, operations in theater of war, and nuclear command. Deputy Chief of Staff to the Department of Defense, Joe Franciscan, though, told Fox News, the policy at the time that there was no senior government engagement with China owing to their bad acts and efforts, right? Trump wanted pressure on China. He kind of wanted our enemies to think that he might be a little unstable, that he might be a loose cannon, that he might be a guy that keeps all options on the table and you better be careful around him. That's what he kind of wanted. Now, whether you like that or not is irrelevant. He was the elected president. You don't like him, you vote him out. And America did. But at the time, that's his policy. And like it or not, he was the president. Franciscan said, it was the blanket policy at the time not to have high-level engagement with the Chinese on matters like this and said that Miller and his office were not told in advance of any of the calls to the Chinese specifically, right? At most, they were presented that Milley was calling foreign allies and partners to reassure them. But here come the excuses. Colonel Dave Butler, spokesman for the Joint Chiefs of Staff, he says that these conversations with the Chinese were vital to reducing tensions, avoiding unintended consequences or conflict. Maintaining the calls were coordinated with high-level defense officials. Again, both calls or just one of the calls? Look, there's a big difference between regular calls versus the secret calls or the double secret probation calls or calls plotting treason in the future if we ever go to war. Yeah, that's a big difference. If these are routine calls, then why are they called bombshells in this book? All calls from the chairman to his counterparts, including those reported or staff, coordinated, communicated, blah, 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 blah. According to those familiar, the October phone call had several topics, one of which focused on the election that Chinese, according to sources, were concerned about what they saw as instability in the U.S. system. That was October. January were the ones that we have to really be paying attention to. What happened there? I don't know the weather, no. But, but here's the thing to remember. Where is the actual denial? They're not denying that General Milley told the Chinese he'd warn them if there was ever an attack. They're not denying that he had these meetings with the people involved with the nuclear codes and the nuclear launches. They're just saying it was all normal. Oh, he was just tamping down problems. Oh, he was just making sure that everybody knew what was going on. Oh, he's not in the chain of command for that nuclear football. He's not supposed to be having those guys. It was just normal. It was totally normal. In the book, it was alleged that Milley called China's top military commander shortly before the November election, and said, if we're going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time. It's not going to be a surprise. So is that the October 30 call? Or is that a little later? They said there were bunches of calls. After the January 6th Capitol riot and a call with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Milley tried to increase his control over nuclear launch procedures out of fear of what Trump might do. But it's perfectly normal. There's nothing wrong here. But there was never... Never a denial of what's in the book. National Review Online says, what is never proper is for an American military officer to go to hostile foreign governments to tell them things at odds with the message the president decides to communicate. Right, exactly. And promising to do so in the event of a shooting war would be an offer to commit treason. And if you remember, General Michael Flynn was wiretapped and questioned by the FBI for talking to the Russian ambassador, even though there's no reason to think that Flynn was carrying a message different from the one the incoming Trump administration would deliver, and they were getting ready for their presidency. 
These allegations are unquestionably vastly more serious than what General Flynn did. Yeah, Flynn actually did nothing wrong there. He was an incoming NSA talking to people getting ready after he'd already his, his president had already been elected. Just the News says that Senator Rand Paul says, if I were president, I would put him, General Milley, I would sit him down immediately and have him take a polygraph test and ask him, what did you say to the Chinese? Did you indicate that the president was liable to attack them and that you would try to prevent that? If that's true, that could have started an accidental nuclear war. But hey, a lot of the media telling you that General Milley's a hero. He's doing what anyone else would do. It's common sense. Atlantic contributor Tom Nichols. Here's what he tweeted out. The Constitution was not designed to cope concurrently with an insane president and a political party that could block action against the president merely because it represents enough people who don't give a bleep that the president is insane. This is what the left and the Democrats and the media, but I repeat myself, this is what they all really think. Trump was insane. The Republicans were insane. So anything goes. They were breaking norms. So we had to break norms. Uh, he could have started World War III. So we had to do something about it. No. Um, they think they should be running things. And you rubes, you know, just so stupid that you elected Trump and you elected all these Republicans. We got to go around you. We can't trust you. We're the elites. We're the experts. Now shut up, sit down, and you're just be thankful to your lucky stars that we're here. I don't think that's how most Americans think. Nichols doubled down. The real Millie story. Millions of Americans, knowing that Donald Trump is so insane and dangerous that the most senior military officer of the United States had to reassure even our enemies that we're not falling apart, and he put enemies in scare quotes, would hand him the nuclear codes all over again. MSNBC's Mike Barnacle said the phone calls would have been common sense. And it goes on and on. And of course, Biden says he has great confidence in Millie. Of course he's got great confidence in Millie. He hated Trump and he loves Biden. So sure. Oh, hey, if you like the show, I would really appreciate you being part of the movement and growing this thing. So when you listen to it on iTunes, if you could share it and review it and follow it wherever you listen, but hopefully iTunes, because that would get us a big following. It's where most people listen. Um, we're also on Google Podcast, Spotify, all those places. And the Greg Knapp Experience page on Facebook, uh, Greg Knapp Experience on Twitter, LinkedIn, Parlor, YouTube, Rumble. Would love to see you come by. Really appreciate it. All right. So Josh Halley is demanding. He's the senator from Missouri. Demanding answers. Google is blocking pro-life ads. Listen, I don't care what your stance is on abortion for this or whatever the, the thing is that they're banning on whatever social media. Here's the thing. It shouldn't matter. And big tech should not be able to squelch free speech. It's what they're, they're being a proxy for a part of our government that doesn't want certain things out on big tech. And look, look, it's Twitter and Facebook and Google and all these things we just talked about. That's today's town square. So if they can shut you off of all those things, then you can't get your message out. Look what happened during the election when they decided to squelch the story about Hunter Biden's laptop, everything that was going on in Ukraine, all the shenanigans that, yes, did tie into President Biden and what he did when he was Vice President Biden. Shutting that all down, you're telling me that did not have an impact on the election? Of course it did. And that's why you need to be able to get these things out there. They thought that they gave the election to Trump because they actually allowed the stories about Hillary to go out there. So they weren't going to let it happen this time. So now they have the right to decide what you hear, what you get to read, what you get to see. 
That is extremely dangerous. So you shouldn't care what it is they're banning. You should be upset that they're banning it. They should not have the power to silence free speech. And they've done it, and they're going to keep doing it until we stop them. So live-action president Lila Rose, pro-lifer, announced that Google had removed her organization's ads, including one promoting the abortion reversal pill. So Holly wrote, when I spoke with Mark Zuckerberg about a similar issue in September 2019, he acknowledged the danger of bias on the parts of content reviewers in this area, particularly where pro-life activist groups like Live Action are concerned. But if your company's behavior is any indication, those concerns have gone unaddressed. Your company appears to have taken a page out of the progressive left playbook and has started targeting pregnancy resource centers and pro-life activist organizations for disfavor. So it's not just Live Action President Lila Rose. They blocked ads from Choose Life Marketing, a company in Missouri that helps spread awareness about aid provided by pregnancy resource centers, right? So Rose said that Google blocked 18 of her ads and they favor organizations like Planned Parenthood. A Google spokesperson said, well, we restored a video posted by live action. Yeah, one out of 18. Here's their statement. We do not permit ads with unproven medical claims. Medical experts have raised serious concerns about abortion reversal pills. Beyond protecting users from medical harm, our policies do not distinguish between promoting pro-choice and pro-life messages. Okay, this, this pill they're talking about, the abortion reversal pill, the pill is FDA approved. Unlike, you know, a couple of the vaccines. Hey, I thought you were pro-vaccine. I am pro-vaccine. I took the vaccine. But two out of the three are not approved yet by the FDA. This pill is. What does this pill do? Abortion pill reversals involve using progesterone to reverse the abortion pill's effect on the pregnancy-related hormone. Google, though, had cited a brief from the American College of Gynecologists and Obstetricians, which Rose has described as pro-abortion. Its website claims reversal isn't supported by the science, but the American Association of Pro-Life Gynecologists and Obstetricians support it. In fact, they said by giving a woman progesterone, the abortion pill can be stopped and the chances of the, excuse me, it's, it's actually called the Mifeprex abortion, which is from the abortion pill, can be stopped and the chances of the baby surviving increases from 25% to 68%. This is a significantly increased chance of the baby surviving the attempted chemical abortion. For women who change their mind after starting a chemical abortion, the administration of progesterone can give her a real hope of saving her unborn child. Approved by the FDA. And Google banned it. Well, they know better. They, they're choosing their experts. See, uh, that's it. What, what, what the experts say. What does the science say? Well, which experts and which science? The one we like. Exactly. Paul Bedard over at Washington Secrets also talked about another banning. This time was Facebook banning the song from John Andrasik. He's from Five for Fighting. And the song's called Blood on Our Hands. And it's all about what happened in Afghanistan. And it is absolutely anti-Joe Biden's decision to bug out and leave behind American citizens, special immigration visas, and other Afghan allies. And so they banned it. And they won't say why. On his Facebook page, he said it was blocked. They blocked his ad to promote the song. Um, you can't share the song anymore. It doesn't comply with our advertising policies, it said. The reason? Unclear. The singer's hoping it will be unblocked. He released the song in reaction to the deaths of 13 service members in the days leading to our withdrawal and the plight of those left behind. Here's what he said. 
Though I believe the decision to withdraw or not from Afghanistan has good arguments on both sides, I cannot comprehend why the Biden administration would not extend the August 31 deadline, thus leaving American citizens, SIV holders, and Afghan allies behind to a terrorist Taliban regime. As a lifelong supporter of our military, I believe no man left behind applied to all Americans as well as those we promised to protect. If Donald Trump were president and he put us in the same situation, the song would remain the same. Only the names would change. Here's a little bit from the song. Got blood on our hands. Hey, Joe, just one American asking what's happening. Yeah. He said America was built on the foundational freedom to criticize one leaders and hold them accountable. Totally agree. He said there's a great tradition of artists speaking their minds and calling out their leaders for answers. So why is he getting banned? And he, and he said, this isn't political even. People who follow me know I'm an American with a history of calling out both sides. Hey, who cares if it is political? You have a right to be political if you want to be. I mean, Green Day did their song. Uh, the whole album was called American Idiot. The title song was a uh, protest against George W. Bush and what happened in Iraq. Banned from big tech? Nope, you can still get that. All the 60 songs about Vietnam, they were all political. So What? It's part of what makes America great. You have this right to free speech and free speech is not just for nice speech. If it was for that, you don't need a free speech situation. Nobody wants to stop nice speech and who gets to determine what's nice and what's mean? Well, of course, the people that want to censor it. By the way, General Austin Miller, the commander of U.S. forces in Afghanistan from 2018 through July of this year, reportedly warned President Joe Biden against withdrawing all forces from Afghanistan strongly pushed back against intelligence reports that said that the Afghan military could hold off the Taliban for one to three years. And in fact, recommended that we keep a level of troops on the ground around 2,500 in order to maintain stability and didn't give a timeline of when to get them out. General Miller also said once his recommendation was turned down, it became his job to execute the withdrawal order, and eventually decisions like abandoning Bagram Air Force Base were made because of constraints and troop caps imposed by the president's orders. Wait, I Joe told us that his military advisors told him they didn't need Bagram Air Force Base. <laughs> I'm sure that, I'm sure he wouldn't have lied to us. Miller repeatedly warned Biden about the situation and about what his recommendations were. Mm-hmm. And the COVID news. I don't know if you've heard that story about the man who died after being turned away from 43 ICUs. Matt Vesper reporting. National Public Radio said the narrative was that the ICUs are so packed with COVID patients that it resulted in his death. He reportedly visited 43 ICUs and was turned away. Ray Demonia, 73, born and raised in Cullman, Alabama, but died 200 miles away in an intensive care unit in Mississippi. Suffered a cardiac emergency, but hospitals were full to the COVID, not his heart disease. And that's what forced him to spend his last day so far from home. Due to COVID-19, CRMC emergency staff contacted 43 hospitals in three states in search of a cardiac ICU bed and finally located one in Meridian, Mississippi. His obituary reads, wait, contacted 43? So he didn't travel around to 43 different hospitals. No, they... Contact a 43 hospital. Well, see, it's still horrible. In honor of Ray, please get vaccinated. If you've not, in an effort to free up resources for non-COVID-related emergencies, he would not want any other family to go through what he did. So please do it. NPR was unable to reach the Demonia family. But a spokesperson for Coleman Regional Medical Center, that's where he started, confirmed to NPR 
that he was transferred from the hospital, but said the reason was he required a higher level of specialized care not available there. So he wasn't booted out of his hometown hospital because there wasn't space in the ICU. It's because they couldn't give him the kind of care he wanted. And he was admitted and he was treated before he was transferred. He wasn't turned away and he got the care. Now look, I'm not saying that hospitals aren't in a tough situation right now, but let's at least be honest about it. Oh, there's another woman that had this similar story. Oh, yeah. Candace Kayer, 66 years, old, 66 years old, died September 3rd. And according to the State Journal Register, her family says she was fully vaccinated in the spring, but she still got it. And her obituary says she was vaccinated, but was infected by others who chose not to be. The cost was her life. Her son, Mark, says, we want to hold every segment of the population accountable and responsible for where we're at today. And so they're talking about the COVID deaths and you unvaccinated people. Now, listen, I'm vaccinated, love vaccine. I think it's good. I'm glad I got it. But I don't have the right to force you to do it. And there are many, many reasons people are hesitant to get the vaccine. And I actually respect it and think you should have this thing called freedom, right? Well, Mark Ayers believed his mother was infected when she visited Mississippi. Vaccination rates remain low. Only 42% of the population fully vaccinated by mid-September. Ayers said, the son, this all could have been avoided. This could have been prevented by a few acts of kindness. They were in a state that had one of the lowest vaccination rates in the country. Getting a vaccine and wearing a mask for others, had this been done, she would be here today. My mother had severe rheumatoid arthritis. We were always most concerned about her getting it because she was immunocompromised. We were wrestling with whether they should have traveled. Okay, so so wait a second. You knew she was old. You knew she was immunocompromised. And you knew this was a state that had lower vaccination rates, which you think is why she got it. And yet they still went. And you're blaming the unvaccinated. Oh, like I said, I'm vaxxed, but you have no idea for other people's reasons. No idea even where your mother actually got COVID. I understand your grief. I don't want to pile on your grief, but shouldn't maybe they have made better decisions on what they were going to do knowing their circumstances? And this does not give you the right to force others to do something they don't want to do and take medication they don't want to take and blame them for killing people. Yes, it does. We are righteous because we're doing what the media and the Democrats tell us to do. And the we have the experts in the science. New U.S. immigrants will need COVID-19 vaccination proof. Wait, say, say that again? Yeah, if you're coming to America legally, you know, you waited in line, you filled out all the visas, you got all the vetting background, you finally get your approval to come to America, you must get vaccinated. You have to have COVID-19 vaccination proof or you cannot come in because we're very careful about our borders and who co- What? Illegal aliens? Oh yeah, they don't need it. I, what? Yeah, if you come in illegally, you can just say, I don't want it and, and, and you're fine. You still get to come in. But if you're coming in legally, you have to get it. Really? Yeah, because most people applying to become a permanent U.S. resident are required to receive a medical examination to show they are free from any conditions that would render them inadmissible under the health-related grounds, but not illegal immigrants. Right. Well, I mean, they're different. You can't expect them to... What does illegal mean? It's right in the name. Of course they don't have to do it. Campus reform has an unbelievable story. It's finally happened. We finally have an instructor at a college that is apologizing for being white. (laughs) 
Crystal Duncan Lane, instructor at Virginia Tech's Department of Human Development and Family Science, has apologized to students of racial minorities for being white. She has a Who Am I section in her human development syllabus, and it says this. I'm a Caucasian cisgender female and first-generation college student from Appalachia who is of Scottish, British, and Norwegian heritage. I am married to a cisgender male, and we are middle class. While I did not ask for many privileges in my life, I have benefited from them and will continue to benefit from them whether I like it or not. This is injustice. I am and will continue to work on a daily basis to be anti-racist and confront the innate racism within myself that is the reality and history of white people. Uh, to my students of color, I apologize for the inexcusable horrors within our shared history. And I want to be better every day. I will transform every day. This work terrifies me. Every day I invite my white students to join me on this journey. Do I have to go on? No, honey, it's okay. Take it easy. Campus Reform spoke with a student who said, It hurts that someone says I was born with innate racism because of my skin color. Really? That hurts? Oh, yeah. You mean people saying that because of your skin color, you're a certain way and there's nothing you can do about it? You know, racism? That kind of hurts? Yeah, that hurts. That's going on in your college. But remember now, critical race theory is not in any schools. It's certainly not in colleges. And there's certainly nothing to be concerned about where you're sending your kids and spending tens of thousands of dollars every year. Go back to sleep. Dunkin' Donuts. Now it's just called Dunkin'. You know, everybody likes to change it because Dunkin's are bad for you. I mean, donuts are bad for you. Sorry, Dunkin's fine. <laughs> so we just call it Dunkin'. The one near Boston College now is digital-only non-contact. What does that mean? Well, the Dunkin' accepts orders only via the mobile app or the in-store kiosk. The orders are then made available to the customers for contactless pickup in a designated area. Placing orders without employee interaction will create an efficient, more convenient, and frictionless experience for customers, says the store. Is this thing going to spread? Oh, you better believe it is. This is a response to the increase in COVID, to the decrease in available workers, to the increase in the minimum wage, to the unbelievable increase in unemployment benefits that we've had until very recently. And so what can businesses do? They can't afford to do everything that the government is telling them they have to do. So get ready for a lot more automation and a lot fewer workers, which means a lot fewer entry jobs, which means it's going to be even harder and harder for people to get that first job that leads them to a better job, which means it's going to disproportionately hurt the poor and disproportionately hurt minorities. My name is Greg Knapp. This is the Greg Knapp Experience. <laughs>